0: Welcome to the Vineyard Church Weekly Message Podcast. We hope you will be encouraged and challenged today as you listen to a message from one of our speakers. Prepare your heart and get ready to receive a word from God today. So for today's talk, we're going to be in the book of Luke. Luke is one of the Gospels. It's the story of Jesus. It's the third book in the New Testament. And we'll be in chapter 19 Uh, To get us started, I think this is going to be a pretty easy connecting point. A, a, A question will come up on the screen. What kind of person do you easily like? If you want to insert another word there, who do you easily have like affinity for? Can you think of situations like that where you think, oh, I think I'll like this person. I was in a waiting room the other day. I don't know, six or eight people, maybe ten people in the waiting room. We were going to be there for a little while, and I thought, well, who do I want to become friends with? And, and I looked over, and there was a guy in a Harley shirt, and I thought, that guy. <laughs> just because I've always kind of enjoyed motorcycles, and so we struck up a conversation just because he had a Harley shirt on. Another shallow part of my life. If you have a car that looks like this, I'd like to be your friend. You think, well, can he become any more shallow? If there's a movie, we can go ahead and put the image out. If you can quote any lines from, see anybody who's responding positively now, I really want to hug you. Right? Because we all appreciate good toast, don't we? Right? It's the it's the best. Other lines from the movie that most of you will care nothing about. Get that corn out of my face. Stretchy pants. Okay? All right. So some of you are like, what is he talking about? Okay. Well, anyway, uh, some of you probably have other movies that you... Okay, never mind. But I'm guessing that uh, if you pause you can probably think of people that you tend to connect with easily. They could be uh, techie people, or musical people, or sportsy people, or artsy people, or foodie people, or nerdy people, or whatever it happens to be. Do you get that? Some people, it's just easier for you to like. So the shift, the question is, what kind of people or person does God easily like. Now, by the way, there are probably several thoughts that come to our minds, many of them valid. You might think, well, all people, or you might think committed people, or kind people, or loving people, or honest people, or caring, right? We might think of those things, but there's one that is a little bit unique, may not come to mind right away, and that is God tends to like or have affinity for, ready, sinful people. And it's evident through the story of Jesus that that's true. A lot of argument for he had a tendency to move toward appreci- appreciate. I don't know if that's the best word. Toward messed up people. Matthew nine ten says Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house. Many tax collectors and sinners came and ate with him. It was a little confusing to the religious people of the day, and so they actually ask, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? It's like, why is he doing that? Next verse, in Romans 5, 6, it describes Jesus Christ died for the ungodly. In Matthew 11:19, 19, a description of Jesus, people are saying this about him. The Son of Man came eating and drinking, and it describes him as a friend of tax collectors and sinners. I was in my Bible time this last Tuesday and spending time looking at the crucifixion story and never noticed this before. This is, this is a, a glimpse into a time when a man named Judas was doing a horrible, horrible, sinful thing. Judas was one of the 12 disciples, and he's the one who betrayed Jesus. And this is the point where Judas, for, for 30 pieces of silver, he betrays Jesus, which then leads to Jesus getting beat up and crucified for our sin, all that stuff. And it describes, if we can put that scripture Judas Judas comes to Jesus, and he says, greetings, rabbi. And basically, whoever he kisses, the the soldiers are going to grab Jesus, all right? So he comes, greetings, rabbi, and kissed Jesus. Jesus replied, do what you came for. And I never noticed this before. Do what you came for. Friend? Are you kidding me? I would have left the friend part out. Or I would have called him something else. But he says that even in the midst of that horrible, stupid, foolish, sinful decision. He still says friend. So hold that thought. We are moving into what's likely to be a seven-week series titled Jesus, Friend of Sinners. And the mission for the next seven weeks. twofold: One, it's to remind us... Of the heart of God, for arguably for us, when we have sinned, anybody sinned lately? Yeah, you did i don 't it's really important if if that we either know or learn again that when we 're in a sinful situation, when we 're moving away from God, that god 's primary reaction is not uh, being torqued at you if that makes sense probably a better term would be concerned but it depends on, because how we perceive God might make a difference on, difference on whether we keep going the wrong direction or whether we go back toward him. And I would submit to you that even in our sin, he is friendly toward us. His heart is still for us. That can affect our relationship with God. The second thing is knowing well who God is can help us better represent him to the world that we live in. Bible verse, 2 Corinthians 520, we, that's you, if you are a Christian. A follower of Jesus. It says, we are therefore Christ's ambassadors. It means a representative. As though God were making his appeal through us. So if we better know God, if we know him better, we will likely appeal toward people to try to get them to move toward God in a better way. Think of a sinner person you know. <laughs> it's like, I don't know any. Okay, well. Think of me. That, no, like, but like, think of, and I do want to make this kind of practical. Like, think of that one person that you know, like, they're far from God. They're not paying attention to God. They don't care about God whatever. Wouldn't it be great if we were the kind of people who could do things in such a way that that person would turn toward? That's part of the big mission of this series. So today, we're going to again start in Luke 19. We're going to kick this off with a section with a story that includes our theme verse. Here's the background. Jesus is doing Jesus' ministry stuff. He's healing, he's teaching, he's traveling. And this is one of those days in Jesus' ministry life. Luke 19, beginning with verse 1. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy, pause, if you were a good Jewish person in this time, or hearing this story in this season of history, when I would describe Zacchaeus as a chief tax collector and, a, and was wealthy, most people would immediately think, yuck, they wouldn't think, oh cool, a tax guy, they would go, yuck, they would associate him with sin, we'll talk about that a little bit later, but that's, that's who he was, not a good guy. But he wanted to see Jesus, I'm sorry, he wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, he could not see over the crowd, so he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately, I must stay at your house today. So he came down, that's Zacchaeus, Zacchaeus came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter, he he has gone to be the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, look Lord, here and now I give half my possessions to the poor and if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount couple more verses. Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house because this man too is a son of Abraham. And here's our theme verse. For the son of man came to seek and to save the lost. So the title of the series is Jesus, Friend of Sinners. If I was going to give a title to this morning, this is the best that I could come up with. Seriously, God doesn't hate sinners. And I'm going to make an argument from this text that Jesus, uh, about Jesus' friendliness toward, he does not hate sinful people. All right. This is a whole series, so sometimes we invite everybody to stand when we're kicking off a series. So if you would stand with me, we're going to pray about this morning, about today, and for the rest of the seven weeks, and keep some of you awake. That's why we stood. There's four people right now thinking, the service is over. How cool is that? This is the best church ever. Sorry. Let's pray. God, I pray that uh, for many of us, you'd keep us on the right path, the awareness of who you are. So if we've lost sight of some of your characteristics, so that over the next seven weeks, you'd guide us. Because we really want to know you. We want to know you. Not anything that we've made up or the world has told us. I want to know you, God. And at the same time, I would like to be, and I'd love to be a church, a church family, where we just get better and better and better and better at helping people turn toward Jesus. Their hope, even if they don't know it, their hope, the Savior of the world, the one that empowers us to instead of being sinful, to be sinless and be better and helpful and all those things that you bring into our lives. So transform us today and over the next seven weeks in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. 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 That was kind of fun. Why don't you go ahead and be seated and go back to your sleep mode. And uh, that was, no, don't do it. I think these things will be helpful. I've got two uh, observations from the text that are arguments for why Jesus didn't hate sinners. First one is this. Jesus didn't hate sinners because he called Zacchaeus by name. He used his name. Verse 5. Jesus reaches the spot. Zacchaeus, remembers climbed this tree. Might be probably the only one up in the tree. He looks up and says to him. Hey, tree guy. No, that's not what he says. He says. Zacchaeus. Now, I want to dwell there for a moment. Zacchaeus has probably been called a lot of things in his life besides Zacchaeus because of his sinful side. A little bit about Zacchaeus that we can infer, we can know. Zacchaeus was a Jewish trader. He was a trader to the Jewish people because he was a tax collector. He worked with He had become friendly with the Romans who were the oppressive enemy of the Jews. So that's not a good way to make a lot of friends. Uh, he, He was also a wealthy, dishonest businessman. So the way the tax system worked was, let's just pretend Rome required taxes from folks, let's just say 7%. The way Zacchaeus became rich was by overcharging people, arbitrarily, he would just say, I want 23% from you. And if you don't give it to me, you know, goon and brother of goon will make your life miserable. Do you understand? He would basically write his own paycheck by requiring extra taxes from other people. That will make you not liked. If you add to those two things, the fact that he was short, and no one likes short people i just kidding, just checking to see who I can honk off today. Last night, there was a person over here, a friend of mine, and they were like, what? And I was like, I'm sorry, I can't see you behind the chair. Just joking with him, just kidding, just kidding. Um, (laughs) No, I lost my train of thought because I was picturing them like, put it up over the chair. Okay, anyway. So, again, Zacchaeus was likely called all kinds of names behind his back, some to his back. I've made an argument before. Part of the reason why Zacchaeus didn't make his way through the crowd to see Jesus was likely because, too, he was too afraid to get in the midst of a crowd because people would there would be numbers of people that would love to just take a pot shot at him, Got, okay? So this guy was not liked. Now, transfer a new idea that I thought Jesus goes through. There's no... Uh, natural inclination that Jesus would know who Zacchaeus was because of relationship. So Jesus likely, we don't know, maybe he had met him before. But likely, Jesus is using his supernatural power. By the way, if you don't know, I can't explain it. But Jesus was God in the flesh. So when he comes into a situation, he knows everything. So he looked up, he used the supernatural side of his life. He knows everything. Every single thing about the guy in the tree. He knows every dumb, sinful, mean, greedy, lying thing he's ever done. Here's the friendly part. And yet, instead of focusing on that, he says Zacchaeus. He calls him by name, which, I didn't know this, Zacchaeus, the meaning of the word, the name Zacchaeus means pure or pure one. Is that not cool? Is that not kind? Can you get into that? Is that not kind of Jesus? To not call him according to his sinful activity, but according to his name, which means pure one. Side note, you might want to explore it. Could it be that Jesus was prophetically inviting him Hey, I know you've been really messed up, and you're doing horrible things. How about we invite you to be a different man, more according to your name, which is pure one? Isn't that neat? That's Jesus being a friend. I. Don't think I've had you write this in yet. Instead of assigning a derogatory term, Jesus used his given name. You probably know this, but there is friendly power in using and knowing someone's name. I was at a national meeting for vineyard church pastors. Uh, The national director for the vineyard churches, there's, I don't know, 500 vineyard churches in the United States, the highest position in the vineyard church movement, you know, Grand Poobah of the vineyard church, his name is Phil Strout, and I remember the first time uh, I met, I think it was the first time I met Phil. He was in this position. He walked up to me in the midst of dozens, if not hundreds of people. And he came over and he said, hi, Mark. And I remember going, what? The, what? And I, it was just a, what an endearing uh, exercise for him to somehow to f- have called me by name when I was just, you know, a guy in the room. There's power in that. There's a little guy at the church. Uh, his name is Isaac. And I remember when I first met Isaac, he's, you know, I don't even know if he was walking yet. Just a little guy. And I realized, oh, his name is the same as his name of my son. So I thought I can rem- I don't remember all the kids' names in the church. Sorry, I'm a horrible person. I can't do it. But this little guy, and just, uh, he's now four or five. And I saw him two Fridays ago at an event we did there. And I don't know how many times I've done this. If I see Isaac, I will specifically find him, go up to him, and get down and say, Isaac. And I will, I will pay attention to him and call him by name because I think maybe it'll help a young man grow up when people with authority or pastor, remember them and call them by name. There's power in that. If you want to be a more powerful person, an influential person, at times interrupt the conversation or with a new person, ask people their name. Because there's a, this is a sad thing. There are a lot of people running around all around us. No one has cared enough for them for weeks or months or years to ever care enough to say, so what's your name? Does that make sense? By the way, God is pretty into remembering names. If you read the Bible, you'll get the sections of the Bible. You may not even like how much God likes remembering people's names because you'll think, how long is this chapter? And it's just so-and-so's name after so-and-so. And here was the, I thought of it with the book of... Matthew which is the first book in the New Testament so we're starting the whole story of Jesus guess what it starts out with here it is, the genealogy of Jesus, the Messiah, son of David, son of Abraham. And it goes for like half the chapter. Abraham, Abraham was the father of Isaac. Isaac, the father of Jacob. Jacob, and it goes through 24 generations to start the New Testament. Verses 12 and 13 go something like this. And Jeconiah was the father of Shiltiel. Shiltiel, the father of Zerubbabel. Zerubbabel, the father of, uh, if you're having a baby, here's some great baby names, Abihu, (laughs) Abihu the father of, uh, uh, what? Eliakim, Eliakim the father of Azor. I, and I was paused, I don't even know who the heck Azor is or what he has done, but God recorded his name in the Bible. So let's bring this idea into the room. For you personally, for me, don't ever think God has forgotten your name people, no matter where you're at, if you're in a season where you've been going away from God, you're doing some sinful bad stuff, it is not likely that God will call you out and say, hey, stupid. He won't because of his kindness. He will call you by name. Isn't that amazing? By the way, if you begin to hear titles in your spirit, in your mind, like I'm an idiot or 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 you think God just looks at me and thinks adulterer. No, he he doesn't. Even in the midst of our sin. Now, by the way, side note, this is a pretty warm, fuzzy talk. There'll be other parts of Jesus being our friend. There are times he is corrective and he will get, you know, challenge us with stuff. But he, why in the world is he so honorable toward us so much of the time? I have no clue. But he'll call you by name. Because even in your sin, he's friendly toward you. The other practical thing from this is don't ever think God has forgotten their name. When you think of that one person who you think, no, man, God hates them. No, he doesn't. He is hopeful for them. Um, a side note, in about 10 days, we're going to start a class, just a four-week class. I'm going to teach, and Ryan Cameron is going to help me teach a class called The Art of Neighboring. And it's basically basically going to explore principles on how we can connect with neighbors and friends and try to move them toward Christ. And so if, you're, if you had missed that announcement, that's something to think about. Give four weeks of your life to develop those skills. So that idea was he called Zacchaeus... By name. The other one is he adjusted his schedule significantly. Jesus adjusted his schedule significantly. In verse 5, Jesus again, he gets to the spot, he looks up and says, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. Now what makes this even more important is the topic sentence from the chapter that we looked at where it says Jesus entered Jericho. You may not have noticed this, no big deal if you didn't. Jesus entered Jericho and was you guys say it. passing. He was passing through. Get it? Jesus entering town, passing through. I looked up the word just to make sure we're interpreting it right. Passing through, it's a verb, it means to go through, to spread, to walk. It means that he was on a journey to pass through a place. There's no indication that I can find that he was even planning on pausing, let alone staying anywhere in Jerusalem, in Jericho. And yet he says, I'm going to stay at your house today. I want to insert a picture here. If we're heading somewhere, passing through some place, if your world is like my world, if we're on a mission to get somewhere, like just pretend we're all going to Chicago today, we don't stop. Well, my house, we don't stop for anything. I mean, we... Do you know what I mean? Like, let's just, or vacation. Like, hey, you know, you're going to go to something. What happens? You're driving there, right? And you get on the four-lane highway. You're you're going, and someone from the back seat or a friend says, hey, could we stop? No. It's like, it has to be a really big deal to stop when you're on a mission, when you're passing, passing, passing through. And so here's the I-group. The idea, I think we'll agree with, when we're on a mission, we only stop for the most important. When we're on a mission, we only stop for the most important. And Jesus not only stopped, but he spent time with this guy. Uh, An important thing to consider here is this is an observable characteristic of God, this ability and tendency towards spending time, stopping and spending time. Here's just some biblical references to that. In Exodus 24, God invites Moses up on a mountainside because he's going to share with him the Ten Commandments and some rules. So he says come up to the Lord. You know how long he spent with Moses? Forty days up on a mountain. Now my guess is if God wanted to be more efficient, he could have. They weren't writing that much stuff down. Does that make sense? But somewhere in there, the invitation was 40 days? When Jesus invited the disciples. Yeah, the New Living Translation says, come follow me. I'll show you how to fish for people. How long can that take? Well, that was a three-year invitation. Arguably, it was a whole life invitation. God is not in a rush. He often says, hey, let's do this. And he has time for you. Super important verse if you're going to know the heart of God. 2 Peter Oh, wait, can I give you one more? This is just kind of an interesting one. So Jesus is doing ministry to the broken and the sick and the messed up. More than once, the disciples would come to Jesus, and they would say something like, can we send these people home now? Because I'm talking, when can we get rid of these people? And Jesus regularly would say, no, let's feed them supper. And he would, give more time. So now this important verse, 2 Peter 3, 9, the Lord Is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. In other words, we can misinterpret God not God's lack of activity. If anybody ever thinks, "Come on, God, get to it," we sometimes we misinterpret who God is because of that. It says, "Right, as some understand slowness, instead he is patient with you. Why?" Here's a glimpse into the heart of God. Not wanting anyone, anyone? Not wanting anyone to perish. Goes on to say, but everyone to come to repentance. Isn't that amazing? So if you ever think, ah, oh, God doesn't want me. Yeah, he does. By the way, there's still a decision to make in that. He's patient. But he's not manipulative. <laughs> Zacchaeus doesn't have to come down out of the tree and invite Jesus into his house. He doesn't have to do that. It's just an invitation. But it's God's desire for that to happen. Last fill in the blank. Am I capitalizing on God's friendliness? This God who calls you by name. Sometimes you want to go where everybody knows your name. Remember that? There's some young people going, Nah, man, what the heck was that? (laughs) Trying to look around. Sorry. I'd try to wrap it for you, but that would get really ugly. But anyway, like this friendliness of God, we've run to so many things. That are not near as kind, loving, considerate. We run to all kinds of stuff. And God would say, He'd call you by name. And he might add, if you're a Christian, he would say, Hey, so-and-so, my daughter. At the end of, the, end of the account in Luke uh, 19, he says, This man too is a son of Abraham. What does that mean? This guy's too, this guy too's in the family of God. Are you responding to the friendliness of God? And, of course, in the midst of that, are we extending that friendliness to people? It can change their life. It can change their eternity. Oh, if there were Christians who were more like Jesus, we'd probably end up seeing more people come to Jesus. Amen? Amen? Why don't you stand, and we will move into a, a time of prayer.